Hello. Hello. You are listening to This Is Awkward, the podcast about how to have difficult conversations. We are your hosts, Leanne Nicholl and Christy McLeod. Ever feel like you put your foot in your mouth more often than a contortionist? Or worse, say nothing at all when confronted with tricky subjects. We are here to help by dissecting what makes some conversations so difficult and how you can broach them. Life would be easier without awkward silences, faux pas and full-blown rows. We will be talking to some amazing guests who will recount some of their trickiest conversations and what they learnt from them. As well as offering some brilliant hints and tips on how to tackle some of life's most awkward topics. Time to fill those awkward silences. Hello and welcome to this bonus festive episode of This Is Awkward. Yeah, the weather's on the turn, the big brands have busted out their blockbuster style ads and festive tunes are playing in the shops. It can mean only one thing. Yes, Christmas is here. According to the song, it's the most wonderful time of the year. But is it though? From tricky family dynamics to present buying etiquette to dietary requirements, the most wonderful time of the year can be absolutely fraught with awkwardness. Luckily, we have the award-winning clinical psychologist and writer, Dr. Emma Spanberg, also known online as the Mammologist, here to help us navigate this festive minefield. Emma, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, there is so much ground to cover with this one, so much so that we've actually turned it into a top 10. <laughs> so buckle up, everybody. <laughs> we've got a lot to cover. <laughs> Strap in. <laughs> right, to kick things off, uh, a real big one. Um, we can't skirt around this issue. It comes up a lot in parenting forums. So trigger warning, remove small children from earshot now. Okay, we're clear. <laughs> How about that is Santa real question? Like, I've done this recently with my eldest son. Um, and I'd fudged it the first time and I, and I went for it this time and, and it went quite well, but it felt incredibly awkward. Um, can you give us any insights specifically um, as you run a parenting forum where this comes up a lot? It does come up a lot, doesn't it? Um, I think is Santa real is a very personal family question to answer and it's something that if you're two parents parenting together, really important that you agree on. But also, you know, grandparents can sometimes be the people who can kind of burst that bubble. Mm. One of the things that I think is really interesting about this generation of parents is that we are really um, much more aware of lying to our children than mm. I think previous generations. There's something about authenticity and honesty that feels really important to lots of parents and families that I speak to. And it, that, I think that's why it's such a big question for people. It's that kind of question of, well, hang on a second, if I'm being authentic and transparent about other things, why am I basically allowing this kind of fantasy or lie to exist mm. and different people will have different comfort levels with that particularly in, you know when we're thinking about our family traditions the kind of things that perhaps we really enjoyed about believing in Santa when we were younger um, so I think it is, it's a very personal thing to have to resolve. One of the things that we often talk about is in the village is just that sense of Santa can be real if you want it to be or if you want him to be. And sometimes people kind of get around or um, slightly fudge, I suppose, the fantasy of it by having a more honest discussion with their children about where the ideas of Santa come from. Mm. Um, and thinking together about how you want to bring that kind of magic of Christmas and magic of Santa into your family experiences. I also think it's kind of worth just thinking about if you are honest with your children to have a conversation with them about other families and how other families might then navigate those kind of conversations because you don't really want your kid to be the one to talk about <laughs> tell everybody at school about what they've learned the night before so it's always worth thinking about other people's family stories as well yeah I think that's a really good point and that is one of the points I made with my son um and just to briefly explain to listeners what I said to him which seemed to work 
um, was like you said, we talked about the traditionalist the traditional start with St. Nicholas um, and that kind of, uh, that story. And then how later on all the parents in the world decided to keep the magic alive um, and that now he could join the secret club to start creating the magic for his younger sibling. Oh, that's Um, so lovely. Well, it was that last bit, actually, the secret club that did it. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah everyone wants to be part of a secret club um so he's super excited about getting involved in the decorations and and the present buying the secret present buying and oh, we also, weirdly this actually stuck as well i said to him about the idea of giving without the need to find thanks or need to receive thanks and that's a season of goodwill and it's really good to find something kind to do, but you don't need to tell anybody about it. It's just your little like secret mission. Didn't really think that had gone in, but it had. Mm. And he told me he'd done that. Um, oh. And that's sort of the spirit of Christmas as well. So there's a few things like it was sad. It was kind of sad. And I did feel really awkward about the whole thing, about the fact that I had lied <laughs> <laughs> uh, for years. And I don't <laughs> lie otherwise. So it was it was a tricky one to navigate um but yeah um i think they're all really positive things and absolutely don't want your kid to be uh the one (laughs) 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 that may have happened in our house (laughs) 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 yeah didn't even know oh gosh yeah got a got a really awkward text from a friend <laughs> yeah 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 awkward oh, very man. awkward oh, <laughs> well that's what this is all about exactly yeah absolutely there is something though isn't there something so lovely about that you know because if you think about part of growing up is that loss of magic mm. and there's something so lovely about saying to your child you can it's it's up to you you know you get to keep that magic alive you're the one who gets to join the secret club and kind yeah. of make Christmas as magical as you want it to be and you know that's such a wonderful thing to be able to say to our children actually magic is something that we can create it's not something that just kind of happens yeah and I, yeah. you know I wish lots of adults could be more magical couldn't they I mean we've I'd love more magic in my life absolutely <laughs> gorgeous I love that idea of magic as a as a word it's just so lovely isn't it um mm. and yeah Leanne to your point as well I just heard you say the word agency and that totally sprung to my mind as well at a time and we'll come on to this I'm sure at a time when children don't have a huge amount of control over what's going on uh, more on that later but you know to give them that agency around this and to be you know chief magic makers is just couldn't think of a better role really oh I'm going to be stealing that today when we go around the Christmas market and we no doubt navigate the rather tricky (laughs) is Santa real conversation which I know is coming down the road um so moving on thinking about family dynamics more generally for many many people the festive period is characterized by coming together with people you might not ordinarily spend that much time with um gosh I have so many memories of you know visiting random relatives and loads of them and thinking I don't even I don't even know half of your names anyway um so it can get very tricky very quickly and you hear all sorts of horror stories from inappropriate jokes to passive aggressive comments from snarky relatives what advice would you give to someone likely to have to navigate this type of awkwardness Oh, it's really tricky, isn't it? It's really tricky when you have to spend time with people that you wouldn't normally spend time with, partly just because of those dynamics that come up in the present, mm. but also because of what then what that then does to you in terms of how you end up reverting to past versions of yourself. <laughs> so we often have that experience, don't we, at Christmas, and particularly when we don't have lots of experiences with people. Mm. where we can change the way that we're relating to them so you know if we're seeing somebody frequently we can relate to them much more as our adult self but Mm. if we go back and see a distant relative they remember us as being somebody quite different and we can often find it quite difficult to not fall back into that role Mm. and I think it's those two things together that can make Christmas feel really tricky for people both that sense of 
you know obligation and sometimes it can feel like a real chore and especially if you've got children who maybe are quite ambivalent about seeing all of these people that they have no idea who they are Mm. and sitting quietly in other people's houses which is always a difficult thing for children to do and then at the same time for you as their parents sometimes you know you can feel quite different for yourself and feel like you're kind of being pulled back into roles that you've let go of and then equally your children are then going to be seeing you interacting in quite a different way so I think it can bring up a lot of really confused and complicated feelings this time of year um I mean for me I think there's different again it's about thinking about where you're comfortable as a family in terms of your boundary yeah so there are some families that just refuse to do it they're just like I'm not going to do this we're going to have a lovely Christmas (laughs) just us we're going to do it the way that we want to do it we're not going to feel that sense of obligation to see people who don't bring us that sense of kind of joy or togetherness or connection that actually that's what I want to have from my Christmas experience. Yeah. That's maybe let's think of that as kind of one end of the spectrum. But then there is that other end of the spectrum where people can feel really obligated. You know, there might be enjoyment in it too. And I think when it's an enjoyable experience, that's different. But I think what we're talking about is that kind of awkwardness that comes with feeling obligated to see people that you don't actually really want to see (laughs) so I think that you know there's something about again having those conversations either yourself or as a family thinking about how we're going to do this in a way that works for us so maybe we see those people but we have a a little code word or we have a Mm. kind of little signal that we give each other Mm. that's just like right we've had enough (laughs) <laughs> now we're gonna go. And I think that, you know, it brings up a lot for us as adults about um pleasing our relatives mm. or pleasing other adults in our lives. Yeah. I, I love the code word. Operation yeah. Christmas cracker. <laughs> you know, a little wink or something where, you know, your ch- your children can let you know or you can let your children know actually I've had enough <laughs> and I need to yeah. I need to kind of get that. back to my own life. And yeah. it means that, you know, you're kind of navigating it, especially as your kids get older, you're then navigating it together as a family as well and being open about the fact that sometimes we see people because you know, we feel that we should do that as a family and that they really enjoy seeing us, but it can be difficult for for us for whatever reason. So let's make sure that it, it works for us as a family and being able to kind of set some uh, guidelines around that. Mm. Oh, you're so wise. Love having you on this. <laughs> <laughs> it is easier said than done though, right? It's much easier said than done because I think what it raises for us is like, oh my God, am I going to, am I going to, you know, have to say no to my mother-in-law or my mm. auntie who will definitely call me out on it or, you know, those kind <laughs> of, so it's not as simple as just, you know, you have to have that conversation and think about how am I going to follow through with that? Yeah. And what will I then do with the awkwardness that that brings up in me? And where does that awkwardness come from? And all of those questions that we can then ask ourselves about how we want to be in this adult relationship without you know kind of still acknowledging how difficult some of those feelings can be there's a real element here of sort of getting in there with a bit of prep work isn't there yeah taking away from this it's really interesting and probably one that I wouldn't have ever thought of previously that's so helpful um it's hard it's hard to be honest I think about actually how difficult we can find these things so I think we don't tend to do preparation because we just hope for the best (laughs) I'm just gonna go and I'm I can I'm noticing that I'm feeling a sense of dread in my stomach (laughs) but I'm just gonna ignore that yeah and then I'm just gonna get on with it but being able to listen to that feeling of dread and go oh I wonder where that's coming from and what that's about and why that's there and being able to reflect on that with a partner or children so that you can then think about actually how is this going to be a an okay experience for all of us my husband laughs at me because when it when it's Christmas everything that happens on that day around that day I put the word Christmas in front of it or festive so if we're going for a walk it's a Christmas walk (laughs) I'm just thinking that that sense of dread is now going to be a Christmas sense of dread (laughs) (laughs) it's good to give it a name yes that can be the Christmas number one this year yeah (laughs) so Emma you've um mentioned a bit of this already but just 
building on this idea of being a guest in somebody else's house. Even if you're staying with someone you get on with really, really well. Uh, It was an old work colleague of mine pointed this out when we were talking about kids. And she said, it's a lot. She she wasn't a parent either. I think she was just, a, you know, someone who'd observed this and said, it's it's a lot to be in someone else's house and having to follow other people's rules. And then, you know, it can be particularly awkward when with kids in particular, you know, the strain on them for having to be on their best behavior through to adults feeling, oh, my parenting style's being looked at or even commented on. I mean, mm. it's a minefield. What are your thoughts on how to potentially manage that kind of situation? Um, I think, I mean, already just in talking about it now, you know, kind of acknowledging that it is a difficult, it can be a difficult situation to be in. Um, So thinking about the kind of, I mean, I would say, depending on where you're going, those sort of trigger points that might come up, which will be Mm. different for different people. So, and in different situations. So, you know, it might be that sense of, am I going to feel judged on my parenting? You know, is my parenting very different to theirs, for example? Um, And if that happens, what do I then want to do about it? So I suppose we're going with thinking about preparation, Mm. thinking about those kind of things that might be more likely to come up and make you feel uncomfortable. Um, I also think for children, one of the hardest things when we're guests in somebody else's house is not just having to be on their best behavior, but seeing us on our best behavior. Yeah. And the kind of wonder that children can have about who we become when we're kind of in our more public role, let's say, or, you know, when we're kind of um, trying to be good guests. And Mm. that can feel quite confusing for children who are used to seeing us in a certain way. So also being mindful of that, you know, kind of, and I think especially for, people who are kind of people pleasers or you know can sometimes be quite different in certain situations than others or might be quite different in different relationships Mm. and being able to be uh, aware I suppose of the impact that that might have on your children who might see you very differently at other times and again kind of being able to think about if there are if there are parts of this experience that feel like they're going to be particularly uncomfortable what do we then want to do about that as a family so being prepared to be able to have a you know little debrief together mm. as a family go off to your bedroom be able yeah. to check in with each other so that you're you know you're there as a guest in somebody else's house but you're still keeping that connection within your immediate family so that everyone knows that difficulties can be spoken about and don't have to be saved up until you know, you're back in the car on the way home or yeah. on the train on the way home when that's usually when everybody sort of lets go of the tension <laughs> that they've been holding on to. Yeah. So being able to have those kind of moments where you're just checking in with each other to find out how, how things are feeling. Yeah. I love this. It's making me think like, I, I was joking about the code word being Operation Christmas Cracker, but it is making mm-hmm. me think of like sort of a military operation, like <laughs> having that kind of level of strategy and then getting the team together and making sure we're all, you know, all of your troops are okay. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. We're going to get through this, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll be magical. <laughs> so magical. You've just reminded me actually, gosh, years ago we'd as a family it felt like we'd been on tour we had visited so many people and by the time it was the last leg one of my kids was just a shell I could see it all over them and I just and I thought I need to I need to just recognize this because because I was feeling it as well you know I was still looking forward to our last trip we were going to hang out with people we absolutely love and are loads of fun but I could see it needed a conversation and I remember just going to one side and saying Do you know what if when we arrive you just need to go and be on your own in the room that you're staying in that's fine and by just having that conversation it totally changed the dynamic. And I think just by, actually, once we got there, they were totally fine, jumped into it. But I could see, it was like the weight of the world being lifted because I just said to them, it's okay. You know, it is all right if you just need that space. Because I thought, gosh, I need, I just need five minutes. You know, it's those moments where it's like, oh, I think I'm just going to go and do a tactical wee so I can just go and hide in the toilet for five minutes and gather myself. (laughs) So yeah, it can be, even when we're looking forward to stuff, it can be a bit much, can't it? 
Well, it's tiring. It's so different to your normal yeah. <laughs> everyday life. And, you know, even these very enjoyable experiences can be tiring. And if you have a lower social battery, which lots of people do, you know, it can be particularly tiring. So, um, you know, if you're more introverted, for example, mm. I think just that there, because what you're talking about there, Christy, is just that sense of taking the weight of performance from yeah. somebody's shoulders. You know, it's kind of saying you can go in as yourself. And if you need to just be quiet, that's totally fine. Yeah. And actually being able to model that too. I'm going to go off for a tactical wee so that I can <laughs> just have five minutes on my own. Or even you can sit, you know, if you're in the car sitting outside, in the car for five minutes and just listening yeah. to some music or just kind of being able to take those moments together to just go oh, okay let's just pause and reset and how's everybody doing yeah or just be quiet yeah. you know because people can get really talked out as well can't they yeah. but yeah. I think there is something about you know the way that we can feel that pressure to perform when we're with other mm. people and you know if our kids are also sensing that being able to say to them like what do you need to be able to just let go of that so yeah. that you can show up as yourself and obviously in that situation your child was unable just in recognizing that you know was unable to go actually I feel okay now because I've yeah. just remembered that you know you kind of find your ground again don't you, you find your yeah. center again yeah I think absolutely. it's also you know because for some kids there are kids who can't manage those kind of visits and that can mm. be really um really difficult for us as parents yeah and in those situations where we might have children who actually just do not have that capacity to be with all of those different people to have that level of change in their routine mm -hmm. to be having to perform in those ways and I think you know there are families that have to make that decision to not do the Christmas visits and to keep yeah. things very very simple and that has to be okay as well I mean I think it's it's a really, it's something that I write about in parenting for humans, that sense that often the things that we think of as being activities for children can actually be very tiring for children. And then yeah. we have this expectation of like, well, why are they so grumpy? Because, <laughs> you know, we're doing all of these amazing Christmas things for them. They're yeah. getting all of these like presents and they're getting loads of attention. And actually they just want to be sitting at home doing their own thing building their new lego or what, mm. whatever it is so i think it's worth thinking again about those where, where your expectations are of how things are supposed to be or how things should be and actually what it feels like for you and for your children yeah um, and knowing that actually you know sometimes we do have to change things up and that might mean saying no and just keeping things very simple or it might mean adapting and adjusting so that things feel easier for us yeah. as a family yeah, definitely. Goodness me, uh, we hosted Christmas last year and um, this year, a couple of weeks ago, maybe even a month or so ago, we were talking about what we were going to do at Christmas and my eldest went, can we not host this year? And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, she said, yeah, can we not host? And I was like, oh, okay. And she said, no, no, I had a good time. It's just thing is we had just started playing with our toys and then you and daddy went absolutely bananas and started running around the house cleaning up making us tidy away our toys and it was a bit much oh. <laughs> like, but the impression that she did of us was so terrifyingly accurate <laughs> you know needs to see yourself reflected back I went yeah okay <laughs> understood understood and so and actually I was just really honest and told our whole family I was like you're not coming to us this year and this is why <laughs> and then and then I handed over to my daughter who was able to uh to then you know dine out on her astonishingly accurate impression of, of her parents awful <laughs> but also quite helpful Anyway, yeah, I digress. Yeah. Well, how amazing, though, that she could just be really open about that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hurt my soul a little bit with the, oh. uh, yeah. <laughs> with the impression. <laughs> yeah, you and Daddy just went absolutely bananas. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I reckon that's, that's mirrored in houses up and down the country. Yeah. We're just all losing our proverbial because yeah. it's just like... We're also ashamed of the state of our house. Like, we're just pretending to be completely different humans than we are the rest yeah. of the year. This um, is what I realised. Me, me and my husband looked at each other and we were like, clearly we're just absolute slovens because the amount of frenzied cleaning and tidying that has to go on before, you know, in the last hour before anyone comes around yeah. is insane. 
anyway. It really is. And it's not your true self. And that's something um, that you said, Emma, that a couple of things that you said, obviously always what you say, it's just these light bulb moments for us. But what you were saying about your kids seeing you in a different light, I had never mm. thought about that um, and mm. how that, how, yeah, how confusing that could be for them. But also that modeling behavior going into somewhere else and being like, you know, I'm, I'm so done with socializing and I just need to take a breather. Being able to see that that's okay, I think is is wonderful and a really mm. good tip. And so moving on, because we've got so many questions to get through. Um, <laughs> rituals and traditions, like this is a, a real biggie because people like to do their Christmas their way, but then mm-hmm. you're part of their Christmas. So how can we sort of navigate that? And in, and in the spirit of really getting uh, through these questions quickly, another question obviously when talking about rituals and traditions is that a lot of people actually don't celebrate Christmas Mm -hmm. and we need to find um you know sensitive ways of acknowledging that and and being inclusive I think for in terms of rituals rituals are so important for children and for families you know it kind of gives you these anchor points through the year and they're lovely things to develop as a family right to have these kind of things that you know will always happen every Christmas so I think you know if you're going somewhere else or if you're having somebody else to your house it can be really helpful to just think together again as a family or with your guests or with the people that you're going to stay with you know what are the key things that that just need to be included to make everybody feel comfortable and like they're getting the Christmas that they need Mm, yeah you know that kind of sense of you know, that we always have the stocking on the end of the bed or, you know, these little things that everybody does slightly differently, being able to be open to, you know, maybe if, if you're guests in somebody else's home, you might be doing things a little bit differently to the way that they do them so that you can keep certain things consistent for your children. Um, I think there's also, because there, there can be friction around that, right? Everyone has this idea of what Christmas is supposed to be like. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where things can get awkward if people don't agree or can't compromise on how Christmas is going to be. So, um, again, being able to, I suppose, reflect on those things that feel really important to you or really important to you as a family to have included if you're going somewhere where you know Christmas has to be a certain way. <laughs> Perhaps there's something around doing your ritual before you go or doing your ritual when you get back so that you know that that's still going to be included in you know the kind of family Christmas experience let's say yeah is it something like it's very specific like okay you're coming to us but the children are not allowed to open their presents until after dinner and dinner's at like one o'clock and you've got young kids who are like just (laughs) like clawing at the gifts under the tree like how can you like both get what you want I guess uh the person who's hosting and the person who is visiting and to make it go smoothly gosh so my initial so in, in in that situation I'm guessing the children would normally open the presents in the morning yeah yeah I mean I feel like that is a really big ask for small children <laughs> <laughs> my honest reaction is like those children are just going to be waiting all day and they're not going to enjoy lunch and they're going to be really fizzy with excitement until those presents are open I think that that would warrant an open conversation around the fact that having to wait is going to make the day much more stressful (laughs) because you know if you think about that if they open their presents in the morning they've got presents to play with over lunch everyone can enjoy their lunch and you know it's just that kind of Sometimes we do have to gently challenge people on their assumptions around mm. what is uh, doable, yeah. what is going to make the day enjoyable for everybody. I mean, then we get into those conversations about, you know, the kind of conversations that we might have with uh, other members of the family around children kind of just going along with the rules that everyone's mm. always gone along with. And what does it mean about you as a parent if your children can't wait until after lunch? And all of mm. those kind of conversations that can come up around Christmas that it's because con- it's a simple question, isn't it? But it can open up a whole minefield mm. of differences in terms of parenting expectations and expectations on children. But I think yeah. you've then got to think about what am I comfortable with as their parent? What am I comfortable with 
can they bear that if they can bear it how am I going to line things up for them so that they have the best chance of being able to bear it if I genuinely think they're just not going to be able to manage that how do I then have that conversation with the person that I'm staying with around how we compromise on this particular issue and that could apply to anything right you know how do we compromise on something that actually I know we're not going to manage as a family and Mm. that's just going to make my day really stressful um so rather than just kind of you know stomach it Mm. thinking about how do I make this feel more tolerable or easier for me Mm. yeah thank you for that and then moving on to um other cultures about inclusivity yeah I mean I think it's it's really different again I think it's it's different for everybody you know so I celebrate Christmas in a different way my dad's Swedish so we celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve Mm -hmm. um we're also Jewish so we also celebrate Hanukkah so you know we've all so there's a real kind of mix-up of different traditions in my family And there's much more awareness and acknowledgement now of other traditions as well. So, you know, there might be like a Hanukkah menorah up somewhere. There might be other kind of celebrations of Diwali going on, for example, Mm. all of those kind of winter traditions. Um, And I think schools are also much more aware of that now and workplaces. So rather than Mm. having a Christmas concert, there might be a winter concert or a holiday concert. So I think those kind of those are easy ways that we can just include other people in our celebrations um but I also think that we can be really worried about offending people I think being open to having those kind of conversations asking those kind of questions you know being able to say oh I I know you're Hindu do you what do you do at this time Mm. of year do you celebrate Christmas do you because lots of you know lots of Hindu families will have some sort of acknowledgement of Christmas or might celebrate Christmas completely. So, yeah. you know, it's also not making assumptions about what people are doing in their yeah. in their family homes. And, and people often will have this kind of amalgamation of lots of different cultural experiences in their homes. That's one of the wonderful things about living in a diverse society. Mm. You know, so we, my mum's from Sri Lanka, we had curry on Boxing Day with a leftover turkey from Christmas Day. So, you know, it's like that when you have that kind of multi-dimensional uh, background or community, actually, it can be really interesting to hear about different people's cult- cultural I'm ways of sort of celebrating things. Smiling because I... I am super nosy, <laughs> so like, I love hearing about what other people are doing, and like I love hearing about other people's Christmas traditions. Mm. So that's actually not an awkward conversation at all, is it? It's a really oh, it's a wonderful conversation. conversation. Yeah, yeah it can it's be. a curious I, one, isn't it? It's curious. Well, it, the awkwardness comes from the fear of causing offence, right? Yeah. But I think actually it's our discomfort with asking questions that can cause the greatest offence. You know, it's that kind mm. of, you know, that moment of somebody sort of looking uncomfortable about having asked a question that, yeah. that you know, for somebody who maybe doesn't celebrate Christmas can be quite an othering experience. It's that moment yeah. of like, oh, oh, have I overstepped? Yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden you're like, as, as somebody who has often been on the other side of that conversation, you know, has often felt othered, mm. there is that moment of like, oh, shall I, like, shall I say, or am I going to make them uncomfortable? You know, do we now have to have a conversation about race and culture when I wasn't expecting to have that? So, yeah. you know, I think being able to be really open and, and be able to say, I'm, I don't know whether this is an okay question to ask, mm. um, you know, and, and being able to hear as well if people are offended by the way that you're asking those questions. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose the key thing for me to remember is, is you know, holding so holding on to your own awkwardness rather than passing it on to the person that you're asking. Does that make sense? Definitely. So it's that kind of sense that like actually I feel awkward about this. I'm going to own that awkwardness. Mm. If they say to me, "Yeah, you're right to feel awkward," because actually that was really quite offensive. <laughs> being able to say, "I'm really sorry about that," you know, yeah. so that you're the one who is holding the difficult emotions. You're not passing them on to so the person true. that you're questioning. When yeah. you feel awkward, you do sort of, it sort of feels like a ball that you want to pass. Chuck it away. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I totally get it. How can I get rid of this feeling quickly? Yeah. Enough? Instead of going, okay, I really put my foot in it. Let me just, like, 
Yeah, so make you feel comfortable, right? It's the kind of, actually, I'm going to make myself feel okay with this maybe little blunder that I've just made or the mistake that I've just made or the offence that I've just caused. I'm going to make myself feel comfortable with that rather than asking the person who I might have just offended to make me feel comfortable. You know, so it's that kind of, I'm going to go away and do a little bit of learning or I'll go away and think about this further. I mean, it's a huge conversation, right? We're talking about race and culture and these are are conversations that can feel really difficult, but they don't have to be. Sorry. These are conversations that can feel really difficult, but I think they don't have to be when we know where we're coming from. And if we're coming from a place of genuine curiosity and a wish to include people, and then being able to be transparent about those bits that we might not know about, but that willingness to learn, be open, be curious can be really helpful. Yeah. And like you said, that is a much bigger conversation. Um, Much, much bigger, but that's a really good start. It's a really nice place to start from, especially with regarding the festive theme and how we navigate that. So thank you very much. That's really I'll do um I do a little shout out because Nova Reed's book, The Good Ally, is a brilliant book for navigating these kind of conversations. Mm. And that's a book that I I turn to often. And Nova also has a course on anti-racist practices and sort of, you know, she talks a lot about how to have these conversations in a way that is, yeah, meaningful and kind of your, you owning your own discomfort. Yeah. So yeah, I'd really recommend her, her book and her work if you're interested in finding out more. Oh, I love Perfect. the sounds of that. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, so Emma, you briefly talked about food and I mentioned in the intro as well dietary requirements can be a big issue over the festive season and you know it can range from anything from you know I have a specific dietary need or choice through to very serious issues around body dysmorphia and the stress Mm. that can come along with being unable to necessarily control what you're eating I mean, again, like so many of the things that we talk about on this, that could probably be an entire episode in its own right. But do you have any tips for what people can say to check in on each other about this? Um, I think, again, you know, it's about whether those questions are welcome you know so so for some people actually they won't want attention drawn they'll have their own ways of coping with things so they might not want attention drawn to how they are coping um but but it's always worth being able to have those conversations beforehand again you know being able to think about is there anything that I can do to support you um in this situation that I know can be quite stressful Mm. if yeah I think it can also be so I'm thinking they're more around people who might have who might feel uncomfortable, other adults who might feel uncomfortable around, you know, kind of eating together, for example, or having having different um, requirements around their food. As a parent, when you have a child with a with a food allergy or an intolerance or just preferences, that can also be really difficult. And um, mm. I think there's something around needing to sometimes buffer your children from the expectations mm. of food and eating together and how people are going to eat that it can again be helpful to think about beforehand you know so if you have a child who actually there might be a lot of things that they can't eat being able to think with them about how that's going to feel all right for them yeah do we bring food with us do we make sure that the kids are eating separately so that they don't feel pressure do we have a conversation with other adults to say will you not try and you know force food on my child or whatever it might be so again it's that kind of preparation element that can that just can help you think about how you're going to get through that feeling like it's been addressed or that your child has been kind of buffered buffered from people's expectations or intrusions or requests you know so thinking about that together beforehand yeah yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? There's so many when you when you outline those things, there are actually loads of really simple little things that can be done ahead of time that would just make such a difference and they're quite, you know, but would be hugely impactful when it comes to just alleviating other people's stresses and and you know meeting people's needs really. Yeah. Um, is it something like um we don't have a 
clear your plate policy in our house, just so you know. Like in yeah. the children don't have to clear their plates before they get down. Mm. Um, I know. I don't know. I mean, a lot of us grew up in the eighties uh, and nineties, <laughs> and perhaps had a very similar kind of uh, rule in their house yeah. you have to have a clean plate before you get down, which is not necessarily, you know. Yes. Oh, actually, my, you know, my, we don't have a rule in my family that the children need to stay at the table for as mm-hmm. long as the adults do, or you know, whatever it might be. But we don't have a, you know, we, um, uh, my children can choose the food that they feel happy to eat. That's okay with me. Yeah. And you know, it's more I think about what we have to do as adults in being able to um, tolerate the looks or the comments that we might be then expecting yeah. to get for. <laughs> For being child-led, I mean, what we're talking mm. about is being, you know, being allowing our children to take control of what they're eating. I mean, it, it is it, again. It's a it's a really big topic, isn't it? But Christmas is so much around food. Yeah, so I'm much drink. around food, alcohol. Mm. You know, the kind of it's a really. Um, I think it can be a really fraught time, and particularly in the way that we can often celebrate it in this country, where you know it can it's seen as being a real time of indulgence here, which mm. is not the case in, in kind of other cultures. And I think that can be really tricky to navigate that kind of expectation that everyone's going to be indulging together. But actually what often happens is that people just end up feeling quite kind of grumpy and bloated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so, you're sort of sometimes, I mean, this might be a Northern thing, but you're sort of <laughs> sometimes shamed if you're not stuffing your face. Yeah. <laughs> and if you, if you, and I mean, well, alcohol is such a big issue but if you're refusing alcohol for whatever reason um that can also cause awkward conversations as well oh yeah so there's something about I think people needing you to do the same as what they're doing so you know it's like well I'm going to be really boozy this Christmas so if you're not going to be then what does that mean about me so I think that's where people can put a lot of pressure on you to kind of join in with their way of doing things because it makes them feel better about the choices that they're making often it's very unconscious a lot of the time but Mm. um I think that there is something and that is quite unique I think to British culture that kind of sense of you know we're gonna I'm gonna say like we're gonna this is an all thing we're gonna hit it hard right (laughs) it's like it's Christmas it happens once a year we're gonna hit it hard and then it's gonna be January and then we're gonna sort ourselves out and then of course you know January is miserable so Mm. the weather's all falling everyone you know so I think that it is a very kind of unique thing to our culture that sense of like total overindulgence that can often happen at this time of year Um, and I think there there is a bit of a pushback against that you know from younger generations Mm. and you know people I guess kind of looking at at the way that people do it elsewhere yeah actually maybe maybe I don't have to wake up on boxing day feeling awful and you know a stone heavier or whatever it might be (laughs) you know and like maybe it's okay for us to actually bring in things that are going to make us feel better as a family so whether that's your Christmas walk like you were talking about or your festive walk (laughs) but but, you know finding a way to not have that the kind of um pressure I suppose because it can feel so pressured and food and and bodies and alcohol I mean these are really uh you know they're tricky topics they're tricky topics they bring up a lot for people yeah definitely um and also it's sort of segues quite nicely thinking about batting away invites to Christmas events um I've seen loads of discussion about this online recently and people's feelings towards things like their work Christmas parties school community events there's loads going on at this time of the year and Mm. some of it is just a bit rubbish (laughs) so how do you say no (laughs) Well, I think, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think often the, um, I, I feel like the trend at the moment is is a kind of individualistic, if you don't want to do it, just say no. Mm. I mean, that's a kind of theme that I think I see mm. quite a lot on like social yeah. media or online. I think that doesn't always acknowledge the efforts that other people can go to for us around mm. this time of year. You know, so I'm thinking about, I don't know, all of the people who are organising the the winter holiday fair at school or Mm. the people who are organizing that kind of work Christmas party and we have we do have this tendency post COVID I think to to be much more likely to cancel or much more likely to kind of not not make that effort not socialize because a lot Mm. of people got very used to not doing that yeah 
yeah, and kind of more aware, I suppose, of like the negative side of it. But we know that for at the same time, kind of simultaneously, loneliness has really increased over the last few years. So mm. there is a repercussion to that, right? Like if we're at home with our families and feeling okay about that, there is a repercussion that we have less of a community for other people mm. who maybe don't have access to that. Um, so that being said, I think it's about a balance, you know, kind of how do I how do I kind of show up, I suppose, in this yeah. community that I am part of, like whether that's a work community or friends, you know, how am I going to contribute to my community and be part of that community uh, mm-hmm. while also making sure that I am getting what I need at this time of year. So um, so I, I would suggest, you know, kind of, and I, I think, yeah, like I was saying earlier, the sort of trend seems to be, well, just say no, just don't go. But actually, for me, there's something about being aware of other people's needs as well as our, as, as well as our own, so that we yeah. can then think about, you know, do I go, but I leave at nine o'clock and I don't have yeah. a drink, and I, then I can still be at home and go to bed when I want to. Or do I, do I go, but I go, you know, at a different time, I go for the end of the meal or I go, you know, so, so doing something that makes it feel like it, you're still contributing and you're still part of that community, but not in a mm. way that feels detrimental to what you need. Oh, Emma, yeah. I find talking to you so refreshing because you're not <laughs> afraid to go against, you know, the trendy thing or, you know, the popular kind of stance on something. And there is a lot of that. Yeah, just kind of look after your own needs. Um, we hear self-care a lot and I, mm. and I get that. But when there is just self-care, there isn't community care. And like, yes. that's, a, that's like a two-way thing, isn't it? And like you're going to want to receive that community care at some point. So you've got to put a bit in, yeah. you can't just take out. And mm. um, that really resonates with me, actually, because I, I do get a bit overwhelmed at Christmas time. Um, and sometimes I, I say yes to too much. Um, but it's, I think what you're saying, it's about the balance and, and like doing things that you, you can do, um, but making sure that you're not kind of wearing yourself out. But still, Yeah, you're not sure. sort of overburdening yourself. But still being part of the community. Yeah, I think that's so important. And there is, you know, because, you know, in terms of the loneliness research, what helps us combat loneliness is one of the key things is helping other people. You know, it's being part yeah. of a community. It's. Um, you know kind of charitable endeavors feeling that you're contributing it's not self-care <laughs> you know it's not having a bath but, or no. or you know being on your own it's being part of a community and feeling that you're contributing to society and you know I think that that kind of sense of it's not about productivity or or kind of a burden it's about you know this is how we are as human beings we need to exist as part of a community so the more that we kind of focus on ourselves and our individualism, actually, there are kind of mental health repercussions to that. Yeah. yeah so I guess I that's why, yeah, sorry, that was, that's why I feel like it's it's sort of easy to go against the grain because I think I, I can also see the consequences. Yeah, and I think you're so right with it being a post-COVID thing, like the whole individualism. Um, mm. Yeah, just generally in the things that we're seeing in our in our small community I mean me and my husband go spare about people's driving nobody seems to be compassionate driving us anymore <laughs> anyway that's nothing to do with that. um, going back to um the loneliness thing um like this can be pr- a pretty heart-wrenching time for people because they're mm. seeing um this this togetherness um all around them and that's kind of what's perpetrated in the media as well and so how can we go about one making sure that people are okay but also if somebody is listening who is feeling like they're going to be pretty lonely what's the best way of them reaching out well it can be so hard contact because you've worried about being rejected but I think that unless people know that you're not that you are feeling lonely or that you're feeling that you're not going to have people to spend Christmas with or to spend this time of year with um you know people will make assumptions so it can be really hard to reach out but it can be really important to let people know and you know I think it can often it's interesting isn't it because we're talking about obligations to other people at Christmas you know that kind of sense of what does it feel like to visit lots of people or to be in somebody else's home or to have lots of people at our home yeah and you know the 
it just makes me think that at both ends of the spectrum, it can be really difficult, you know, that being too, you know, having kind of having too much social contact can be hard and having no social contact can be hard. Mm -hmm. And how do we find that balance? And part of that is actually, if you know that you're going to be kind of stuck in this family situation with these dynamics that make you feel uncomfortable and kind of bring you back into previous versions of yourself while you're acting like a teenager (laughs) bringing somebody else into that dynamic can be a brilliant solution you know so having Mm. a friend who doesn't have family around come into your family at Christmas oh my gosh and making everyone behave themselves everyone will be (laughs) change the dynamic you know it's not it's not just that we're doing the same thing that we do every year it's actually we've got other people that we include in our in our Christmas experience so you know or or holidays or whatever it is that you're doing and you know I think it's something that I mean maybe we've lost that a little bit as society's Mm. changed you know that sense of Christmas being something that is a community thing too and something that we do you know kind of bringing other people in or taking things around to people who might be on their own so just being aware of that you know and I think it's harder to be aware of that when we're less connected to each other but again, not being afraid to ask those questions. You know, what are you doing for Christmas? Where are you going to be? So that you can make sure that the people around you uh, are feeling connected and cared for at this time of year too. We actually, did, without even thinking uh, about this before the recording, we actually did that last year. There was a friend um, and it was a really lovely dynamic actually. And she did a bit of a Vicar of Dibley where she went <laughs> around different houses Um as we were talking about that community uh, spirit, that's when we all have to step in. And mm. and it's actually really lovely. And, and like, if we're talking about togetherness, it's not just your little nuclear family, if you have one. It's about bringing people in. Um, yeah, yes. so great. It's about having that voice, isn't it? But my God, that must be hard. I mean, what a hard thing to say. I don't yes, think I've ever yeah. said it, even when I felt in the depths of loneliness in my life, I'm not sure I've ever voiced it. Um, but mm. when you do, if you have the courage to, there are going to be people who who pick you up. But it's, I think that's probably a really hard ask of somebody, isn't it, to say, I'm feeling lonely or I'm, I'm a bit worried I'm going to feel lonely. Mm. It is, but you'd always rather know. You know, I think that's the thing to remember. You'd always rather, as a friend or a family member, you'd always rather know if somebody else was struggling. So I think if if you have a doubt about whether or not to be open about your own concerns about loneliness at Christmas or, you know, this time of year, um, it's always worth remembering that the people around you would always want to know what you're going through. And if you reach out to one person and actually don't get the reception that you really would like to have, reach out to another person because you know the we can feel so afraid of rejection and we can feel so afraid of burdening people but people would generally speaking people would always rather know that's so true and actually I mean it reminds me of a little story that really warmed my heart that I saw online there was a, a in the states there was an elderly lady reached out I'm not sure how close she was to this friend but the woman put online that she um I think she'd lost her partner she reached out to a friend she was on her own and suddenly this lady had moved across uh states and had moved in with her and they were having a jolly old time so Ah. you just and I love hearing things like that so you just don't know if you reach out what could be on the other end yes absolutely yeah um so we're We've got to crack on with the questions. Sorry, Emma, I know this is like... Um, This one is a huge one. Festive period, we cannot talk about it without talking about the mental load. Mental load klaxon. So there's so so often an an imbalance here with some people, and that's generally going to be the female figures and the mothers taking on the lion's shares, planning, shopping, cooking, all of this stuff. In fact, months in advance. I don't know if you guys have seen the um, not so smug now list. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, the yeah, mental illness, and then this is brilliant. The section on Christmas. I was like, oh my god, I didn't even know I did this, but I I do do all <laughs> of that. Um, I mean, my husband's the expert rapper. Shout out to my husband on the rapping. But, like <laughs> the rest of the stuff, all of the the planning is. It's a massive job. So how can we 
make it, you know, Mother Christmas doesn't get much of a accolade <laughs> around the start. It's all about Father Christmas. So how, how can we make this all a bit fairer, essentially? I mean... We could do a whole episode <laughs> on just on this. I'm wondering if, so Laura Danger, who is that darn chat on Instagram, talks so wonderfully about the mental load and unequal gender roles. And I'm fairly certain that she'll have some brilliant tips on how to navigate mm-hmm. this time of year. So again, another kind of recommendation. Um, I think, again, it's about making things very explicit. So there's that kind of being able to write down or show your partner, talk about it as a family. These are all of the things that we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. Who is going to be doing what? Mm. All of those invisible things like, you know, the text messages from friends and family saying, what can we get the kids for Christmas? Or the, you know, kind of trying to source the one particular whiskey that you're going to buy for somebody's uncle or, you know, whatever it is that can be, it's very time consuming. It's very draining on your already um, overburdened mental capacity. Mm -hmm. and it's and it's completely invisible. So I think this, the first step is always making the invisible visible. So making it really explicit with your partner. You know, I, I being able to say this is something that I'm thinking about. How are we going to do this together? Um, and is there anything on this list that you can take off? Mm-hmm. Or is there anything that we're going to be doing? So we're sharing it together. It becomes a kind of shared effort. Mm-hmm. I would say that the second part of that conversation which I think you know we've had this kind of I'm going to say like a phase in our understanding of the impact of that unequal mental load emotional labor that invisible labor we've had we have much more understanding of it now since books like Fair Play and Fed Up which came out probably what now about seven or eight years ago so you know it's been there's been a long process I think of people women especially becoming more aware of the unequal emotional labor and and mental load in households Mm. we now I think are kind of moving on to the next phase which is where lots of the women that I speak to have had those conversations with their partners and things haven't shifted in the way that they really wanted them to so you Mm. might have that conversation where you make things more explicit but then things don't change in the way that you want them to or actually you end up you're still kind of gatekeeping some of those tasks so you still feel like you're having to write the list or you're having to kind of remind somebody of whether they've done it how they're doing it are they doing it in the way that you want them to do it in so again there's that kind of conversation that Laura Danger is really good at talking about that kind of sense of how do we then actually make that happen so that so because often as women were socialized to to be able to think about all of those things it's something that lots of women do very automatically if you've been socialized in a more male role often these are things that you just don't necessarily think about and that's you know there's no blame there it's just the way that things have been Mm. so being able to pass on something that is really automatic to somebody who might find it actually very labor intensive like that's it is actually quite a big ask you know you're asking somebody to learn completely new skills and to pay attention to things that they maybe never thought that they had to pay attention to you know we can kind of blame society for that and the way that we were raised in previous generations but there is I think this fantasy that as long if if we just have the conversations then everything will fall into place but actually Mm -hmm. there is then the work that is involved in no, hang on a second, this is actually a task. This is actually mm-hmm. a skill. These are actually things that we need to to teach each other and learn and remind each other of. So mm-hmm. I think there's something about the need for a huge amount of grace when we're yeah. having those conversations and a, an awareness that somebody, hopefully a partner, will be willing to learn and willing to shift. But mm-hmm. the process of change is is a long one and can be complicated and can be really frustrating so being able to then kind of go back and reflect together on what's working what's not working are you still feeling overburdened are you still feeling resentful you know how are you going to resolve that together as a shared problem so it's like a it's a shared problem for you as a couple or you as a family to solve together 
Oh, you know, however you want to phrase that problem, like the problem is patriarchy, right? But you know, how are you going to solve that in your little family over this period of time? Yeah, I absolutely love that. There's three things from that. Just that one, how compassionate you are um, and how that's going to really help things. Two, that like, why aren't there more women CEOs? Because I mean, clearly, as you just outlined, we've got the whole skill set. <laughs> running the show. Who wants the world? Anyway, um, digressing again. And then three, like, yeah, as a couple, let's smash the patriarchy together. Love it. Yeah. Um, Christy, on to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking, gosh, that, that point about people genuinely needing to upskill. I saw something similar online recently and it was about how to get your kids involved mm, so you're yeah. not the one that's running around, you know, tiring yourself out while everyone sort of sits and watches you do it. And there was this yeah. point around, actually, it it is a skill and we can't assume that kids are going to just naturally pick it up and there was all these different tips around walk into a room with your kids and challenge them to go what needs doing in this room so that they don't just you know it's the equivalent of just write me a list of what you want me to do and actually no that's that doesn't quite cut it does it it's this idea that no 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 you do actually need to learn what you're doing around all of this so it's really interesting um and yeah very compassionate to to acknowledge that as well I think um You'd be pleased to know we are on our last question. You poor thing, you must, your mouth must be so dry by now. <laughs> oh, I love, I mean, as you both know, I love talking about these subjects. So. Good, good. Well, I have been loving listening to it and I just, so, there's been so much of this where I think, oh, I really, really hope, and I'm sure they will, I, I really hope that people have some takeaways from this. I'm sure they will. I know I've got loads absolutely loads anyway uh final question the last area we wanted to cover is money now Mm. the cost of living crisis is such a huge issue right now and people have already been struggling recently Mm. and now you know not only just worrying about how they're going to cover their bills now they've got oh gosh christmas coming down the road presents extra socializing it's massive and yeah uh, yeah I've seen some really upsetting stuff that people have posted online recently that's really stuck with me about this and you know it it's so sensitive is there a sensitive way that people can broach this um to be able to convey that maybe they need to scale back on spending or is there a way that people can have conversations just to recognize doesn't need to be all bells and whistles I think, again, it's about awareness, isn't it? That actually, Mm. you you know, your situation. So I'm thinking about it. So if you're from the perspective of somebody who's less worried about money, you know, being aware of the fact that there are many people, probably the majority of people at the moment who are not in that position Mm. um, and being able to kind of just be respectful of that and mindful of that. One of the things that comes up most years, I think, in the village group is the... I mean, I'm going to say grief. It's the kind of grief of uh, people choosing to give, because lots of families give kind of one present from Santa, or they might give all of the presents from Santa. But often if families give one present, it's often the most expensive present for whatever reason. It's, you know, the bike or um, the computer or whatever. And if your present from Santa for younger children is not so expensive, then that, that can create such difficulty in Mm. kind of classrooms and among peer groups of Mm. you know that kind of you know just that the lack of awareness I think of people being in different situations yeah so I think that's something just to be mindful of you know that actually what you choose to do as a family might have an impact on other Mm. people in your community um, and then I think if you're able to be, sort of be charitable, there are so many different organisations at the moment who are working to provide, um, you know, different things, different opportunities for families. So being able to find out about maybe what's going on in your area so that if that if you're able to contribute to that, that might be financially, that might be with your time, being able to think about whether that might be offering food. So, you know, being able to think about kind of what you might be able to contribute to the people around you. Mm-hmm if you if you are coming from the perspective of being really worried about money and the kind of financial impact of this time of year which is massive I mean there is 
such an expectation to spend so much money you know again it kind of brings us around full circle to thinking about what's the what's the magic of Christmas you know the magic of Christmas doesn't come from the stuff that you get it is from being together and creating memories of time spent together as a family so you know being able to think about what do you feel is the most important stuff that you want to bring into your Christmas experience with your family that maybe has nothing to do with money at all Um, and that is about you know because we can look at it on the flip side there are families that might have loads of money loads of presents miserable Christmas because everybody's really you know arguing with each other or you know they're not relating to each other in a way that feels positive or whatever it might be actually Mm. being able to have those kind of memories of being together being connected thinking about what you want to do as a family that brings magic into this time of year you know that is absolutely priceless so um but it's again I think it's important to acknowledge that it's really hard to be able to think about that when you're so stressed about money so you know it's it's I'm not saying that's an easy thing to do by any means because the you know the kind of capacity for joy the capacity to feel light-hearted is really really difficult Mm. when you're stressed every day about money yeah yeah 100% I think what you said just um, resonated with another thing I've seen online recently where somebody was saying you know back in the 90s um, we didn't have matching pajamas and (laughs) and, you know trips to Santa and all of this stuff and it is we do feel a pressure to do all those things and actually your memories are going to be more of like the daft board game or somebody's silly hat and you know and and eating together and all of that stuff and and I think perhaps like if that you know for me I might say to the family if I'm feeling the pinch something like I'm just going to keep it really simple and focus on x this year Mm. Um, but it is really hard when you see other people doing all sorts of extravagant things and and so I think you're right I think you're really really helpful to think about your how you create that little bit of magic in your own family and what is it your kids really want and like Emma I know that you'll agree with this it's always just your attention really isn't it it's your attention it's your presence I mean what do you Mm. remember from being a kid you don't remember the present that you got in 1999 you remember like the time that your granny got drunk and fell over you know it's like, <laughs> so, I'm telling you that Christmas uh, Christmas pudding alighted it fell on fell on the table that was a that was a classic yeah that happens in our house too <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it is it's always worth remembering you know what what are the things that you remember from your yeah. favorite Christmas memories or your favorite winter memories and they, they won't be about money you know they'll be about togetherness and laughter and you know so it's that kind of really pairing things back to thinking about what what's really important in spending time together yeah definitely and on that note on that beautiful note we're gonna draw this one to a close um thank you emma i just wish like either you lived next door and i could just <laughs> pop in and you could <laughs> tell me all this stuff on a daily basis or that you were an app that I could just yeah get a little with your voice on it. Ask Emma. Ask Emma. Yeah. Well, thank you. So, You've my business idea for 2024. There you go. Just a little robot, little robot voice of Emma. <laughs> can't be any other voice it's just so <laughs> um, anyway uh, listeners we really hope that you found this helpful for the festive season if you want more of emma's brilliant insight you can find her on instagram at, at mammologist and her amazing new book parenting for humans is out now emma thank you so much oh thank you it's been so lovely so lovely to talk to you both wonderful happy holidays Thank you for listening to This Is Awkward, the podcast about how to have difficult conversations. We hope you enjoyed the show. You can find us on Instagram at Awkward Podcast, or you can email us at hello at thisisawkward.co.uk. Please do hit follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And five-star reviews will also help us expand our audience as we tackle life's most challenging chats. The content of this show is not meant to take the place of professional help, such as clinical and counselling support. Please do contact your healthcare provider, HR team, other professional body or a reputable charity to seek proper help for yourself if you've been affected by any of the issues in our show. Until next time. Take care, everyone.